Welcome to the Awakened Collective, where we explore the topics of love, spiritual consciousness, and our divine purpose on this planet. Join us as we uncover the truth that our thoughts shape our reality. Welcome to the Awakened Collective. I'm Rick Gregory, and we're so glad you are here today. Uh, you are loved. And um, a special thank you to Audio Alchemy Productions. So grateful for you, Danny. And I'd like to start us off with some truth, the same truth I start us off with every podcast, and that is that you are an extension of your Creator's love on this planet. You have never been separated from your Creator, and we have never not for a nanosecond, been separated from one another. The voices of the world may try and tell you otherwise. There's a lot of division out there, but we are not of this world. We are on an excursion, a joyride <laughs> of experiences. And I'm hopeful that you're going to have another experience here with us this morning. And I am so grateful to have Jody Penton with us. So welcome, Jody. Thank you. Um, really grateful to be here. And uh I love how you you started that with um, we're never separated from our our divine creator or from each other, and um, the 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 understanding that that I came to with that um, you know through my journey because when my journey was at its lowest point, that's exactly what I felt um, was I felt separated and isolated not only from 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 my creator which I, I use the term God but also from from pretty much everyone of this world and to see the difference today and to know that there is a, a connectedness and, and, a, um, um, I guess a universal connection between the divine and all of us. And, and to be here with a great friend and mm -hmm. to be able to have this opportunity is, is just amazing. So thank you for having me. It's a blessing. <clears throat> and, um, I, Jody and I don't really even know each other all that well. I know, uh, just from, having had some amount of spiritual experience in my life, and I can, I can see it in other people that Jody is a tender-hearted, kind man and um, has awesome socks on today. <laughs> well, so do you. <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> socks. Um, and I wouldn't have anyone here that wasn't kind, first of all, but uh, he's a wonderful guy and um, just something special about him. And I'm just going to ask you to share a little bit about yourself, your story, um, your transformation process, I know you get this thing in a way that you understand that there is a joy in surrendering. Absolutely. You yeah. understand that, you know, that, that paradox. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Sure. Um, you know, I, I don't think my story is unlike a lot of people, um, especially um, early in life. Uh, you know, I had a, 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 a good family, but a family that had its issues. And... Um, some of those issues manifested them themselves in, in, in me as well. Um, and, you know, we talked about this a little bit before about how we are indoctrinated by our families, by culture. And, and a lot of that is subconscious on the people that are doing that to us. Um, and, uh, and I think that happened with me as well, pretty early on. And, you know, I remember being different. Um, there just wasn't something right, and and the way that I was taught to to think and to to interact with the world um, just didn't fit for me. And 
you know, I don't think there was anything that, that my parents um, were doing that was that was wrong. I think they were doing the best that they could, but it just didn't fit for me. Now, my younger brother, who's a year and five days younger than me, and we grew up as twins, it fit perfectly for him. Mm. Um, and and I don't think he's had the the struggles that I have with um, with figuring out who I am and and my place in this world and on this journey and. And that's fine. I, I'm I'm really grateful that that I had that um, in in my early years because it it gave me the opportunity to seek something different for myself. I don't know that that if it was if I just felt right from the beginning that I would have gotten on this journey that I've been on for the past several years. And and I'm really grateful for that. So take it back, you know. Um, there was just always a hole. Something wasn't there. Something wasn't right. And and I never could put my, my fingers on it. I, I couldn't understand why I felt that way. Um, looking back, I think it was my soul yearning for that connection, um, for that passion, for that purpose, for, for why I'm here and, and what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and, and I didn't know how to find that. And what happened was I got into a lot of pain, um, early teenage years, losses, things of that nature, uh, family situation got more chaotic and I took a drink. And when I took a drink, everything disappeared and I felt great and I felt 10 feet tall and bulletproof and I was the coolest person in the room and all of those things that, that alcohol does well, did, did it really well for me. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> I knew the first time that I drank that drinking is what I wanted to do. And um, so it started out as pleasure-seeking, and, and it did its job well. Um, the bad side of that is when, when you have the disease of alcoholism that, that I have, um, and, and even broader when you have the, you know, the addiction bug that I have, um, it generally doesn't take long for the pleasure seeking to disappear and the pain avoidance to take over. And yeah, I made it through high school pretty, pretty much in the pleasure seeking mode. And, and it wasn't too long into college. The pain avoidance started. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't keep classwork going. I couldn't show up for responsibilities. Family members were getting angry Friends started disappearing or asking what's going on. I don't want to be around you when you're doing these kind of things. And, and, um, and the pain avoidance led to isolation. And, um, you know, in the darkest parts of, of, of my disease, I was isolated. Either I lived in a, in a town where I could isolate myself in my house or later on I was isolated in a house with my family, you know, in a, in a, isolation of my own making, even though I was surrounded by people that, that love me. Um, and it, the pain just got bad enough. And, and thankfully, um, as I've been exposed to more recently, you know, the, the pain of desperation, the gift of desperation, the gift of so much pain that I couldn't take it anymore, finally gave me the ability to ask for help. Um, you know, I had people give me help for several years prior to that, and, and I just wasn't ready. Um, but when the pain 
was too much. When the, when the pain of staying the same became greater than the pain of change, I asked for help and I was willing to listen to the suggestions that people were giving me. And, and it began uh, a journey for me that was not easy at first. Um, you know, I had, I had slip ups and, and I had frustrations and, and things in life seemed to get worse um, before they started getting better. But again, someone had suggested to me, don't forget the pain you felt the day that you reached out for help the first time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and a practical suggestion of write all that down, put it in your wallet and read it every single day. So you can remember, even when you're uncomfortable in this process, it's not that level of pain again. And, um, I like that. and so I did that and, and, and I struggled and, and I had some slip ups and, and, um, but I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And, um, you know, another thing we talked about is, is it's a journey, right? And it doesn't matter where you are versus where I am or anybody else. What matters is that I stay on the journey and, and I keep doing my best to move forward. Um, and, and that was impressed upon me very early on. And, and thankfully, um, the more I moved forward, the easier it got to stay on the path. And the more enlightened I became as to why I had slip ups and, and to be able to avoid those situations, you know, moving forward. And, and there's a, there's a, an author that, that I love to read. Um, he's a, he's a Catholic author. His name is Matthew Kelly. And, um, he quotes, uh, I believe it's a poem in, in one of his books called life is messy, which is a series of, of short stories that are based on journal entries that he's done through the years mm. that were, he couldn't develop them into full novels, but he developed them into short chapters or a series of short chapters in this book called life is messy. And, and the, the, the story as he tells it is, you know, I'm walking down the street one day and, and I'm strolling along and oops, I fall into a pothole. I get help. I get out of the pothole. I wake up the next day, I start walking down the street, and I'm minding my own business. Oops, I fall into the pothole. I get help, I get out, I go on about my business. I wake up the next day, I start walking down the street, and right before I get to the pothole, I go, oh, there's a pothole here. I'm going to walk around it. I don't fall into the pothole. Going about my business, wake up the next day, I'm walking down the street, and before I even start walking down the street, I go, you know, there's a pothole on this side of the street, so I think I'm just going to walk on the other side of the street today, and I never have to worry about that pothole again as long as I walk down this side of the street, mm-hmm. and that's kind of been, you know, my journey is um, there's been, a, a, you know, a lot of two steps forward, one step back, and and then overcoming this obstacle, and and all along the way there has been this unbelievable outpouring of love and support. And, and without that, I, I would never be able to, to do what I'm able to do today at, to even sit here and have this conversation with you. So, you know, starting from people in the treatment center that helped me, uh, therapists who showed up at my house at 930 in the morning and said, you need, to, you need some help, sponsors, friends, um, family members, you know, all of those have been integral in me being able to be here. But ultimately what has been of the, the most benefit in my journey and, and what all of those people have taught me and shown me 
is that what you started this out with is a, is a connection to a divine creator. Um, you know, I, I say God because that's the term I learned growing up, going to Catholic school and a Catholic college. And um, I have a hard time separating my thoughts from that term when, mm-hmm. I, when I start thinking sure. about the source. But I really do believe that it's, a, it's, it's more of an energy that, that connects all of us and that guides all of us and that if we're open to it, um, just leads us into community and connectedness in a way that I never knew existed. But now that I have found myself as a part of it, I hope I'm never separated from. So that's, that's been my journey. Um, you know, there's a lot of details and ins and outs and ups and downs and as there should be for somebody who suffers from, you know, alcoholism and addiction and, and did so for, you know, a little over 30 years before I was able to find a, a lasting recovery this time. But um, I think the most important part is that when I was ready, when I, when I was in enough pain to, to ask for help, People were there to help me, and 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 if somebody's listening to this today and they're struggling, just ask for help. You know that was the most important decision that I've ever made in my life was to stop feeling like I was isolated just for a brief second, and and reach out to somebody and say I need help. Yeah, because you know what we can't do it alone. No, and you know, and like you had said, the isolation that you're experiencing. I mean, all that isolation starts with our thinking you know, thinking that we're separate and, you know, that we have understood and that this is a thinking disease. It's about changing the way we think. That's, that's really powerful stuff. And you also talked about, you mentioned the caterpillar or, you know, two steps forward, one step back. And I just came back from a, um, a Mark Nepo conference. He wrote a book called Falling Down and Getting Up and talked about how that's, that's really what life is. It's ebb and flow, right. you know? It's always two steps forward, one step back. We're always learning, always growing, but we're always moving in the right direction if we're making that next right choice, you know, that next right decision. So That's right. Yeah, uh, it's it's all about the the next decision. Not not what I went through, but how am I going to respond? Yeah. And I heard somebody tell me this past week that you know, 30 something years of being on his journey and, and helping other people that, that what he's really learned about, about recovery and about this, this, this journey of spirituality is it's, it's not about where you are, uh, when something bad happens, it's about how fast you can recover. That's a testament to who you are and the, and the, and the journey that you're on and the process that you're living through. I mean, can you remember when, when things would happen in your life, in the past, how long you would stay in that mindset. Um, this, you know, I remember my son one time, he had something, looking back, it's kind of comical now what was going on at the time in his life, and I don't remember the details, but I remember him saying it was something to do with money or something, and, he's, and he, he actually is like, this isn't going to work, peace out, I'm out of here, you know, and, and, and that's, I remember <laughs> feeling that way, I'm done, you know, this, this is too big, um, yeah. I, I really like the, um, I don't know if you got a chance to read it this morning, um, but it is the, the, uh, daily pond, the daily reflections where it says life will take on new meaning. This promise has helped me to avoid self-seeking and self-pity, to watch others grow in this wonderful program, to see them improve the quality of their lives. It's a priceless reward for my effort to help others. Self-examination 
is yet another reward for an ongoing recovery, as our serenity, peace, and contentment, the energy derived from seeing others on a successful path of sharing with them the joys of the journey gives to my life a new meaning. So tell us what, what are you what are you doing today for? How are you how are you doing all that today? Because I know you are. <laughs> um Wow. You know, I've been given such an unbelievable opportunity to be a part of a lot of people's journey. Um, and, and in a way that, um, I get to see a lot of people early on in their recovery journey and hopefully I get to be a part of it for, for an extended period of time, which is not the case for, for most of us on this journey. You know, we, we get to see somebody at their lowest and then hopefully a little while down the road, we get to see how they've recovered and what they're doing. And, and all of that's wonderful and it's inspiring. And it's, 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 uh, it's just been my opportunity to, to do it in a different way. And I'm so grateful for that. So, um, very early in, in my recovery journey, I moved into a sober living, uh, house called Linwood house, which is actually a group of sober living homes for men and pretty quickly after moving in there, I was asked to to be a part of of the management team as a as a residential manager, and and that has grown through the years to um, to be a huge part of my life, and I get to do it on a daily basis. Um, it's a uh, it's a position that that I have voluntarily undertaken uh, for about three years now, and. So I get to see guys move in that are very early, you know, most of 90% or more are coming straight out of treatment. So they may have 30, 60, 90 days without drinking or using drugs, but they don't have a sponsor yet. They don't have a job. Family members really aren't talking to them. Uh, they're dealing with legal repercussions, you know, things, you know, that everybody goes through after, you know, you know, a brief stint away from, from drinking and drugging and real life comes back. Um, <clears throat> I don't know that 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 I get to do anything uh, special in the sense that it's not something someone else wouldn't do, given the opportunity that that I've been given. Um, but it's it's very rewarding in the sense that I can just be there when somebody doesn't know what to do in early recovery. Um, I can just be there today. I can show up. Um, without any motive other than this person is where I was a short period of time ago and somebody did this for me and I have the opportunity to say, Hey, I've been there. I've walked this path and I'm a little bit further down it than you. And, and that pothole on the sidewalk that I was talking about, it's, it's right here. I so can why, point it out to yeah, you. <laughs> so why don't you walk around this way? And, and it, if you fall into it, it's okay. I know how to get out of it too. Somebody yeah. helped me and showed me how to get out of this thing. Um, so, that is one of the most rewarding experiences and parts of my life right now is, is being there for, I think right now we we're on the order of 40 or so beds between all of our houses and, and being able to be a part of the journey, um, you know, and at different degrees, some guys are more willing than others. Um, that's just the, the nature of, of addiction and alcoholism is, yeah. is some people are ready and willing to, to do the work and some just want the heat turned down a little bit. But regardless, being able to be a part of 
of so many different guys journeys early in their recovery um and then to see the successes that come out for those guys that that are willing to do what is suggested and to do the hard work and to be uncomfortable for a little while and to have the the spiritual you know awakening that that is the result of doing the work that is suggested to us um in early recovery and, and the continuation of that work i mean i've you know i'm I'm working with guys now that are managers at Linwood House with us that I saw come in day one that have done the deal, that have gone back to school, that have gotten jobs, that have reunited with families that are also giving back and and to the community that is Linwood House, but also giving back to the wider community um, around Jackson or moving back home and you know, I got to see a picture on Facebook of a guy that lived with us for a while that was holding his grandson and said, proud grandpa, who, you know, was in tears that, that he wasn't getting to spend time with his family uh, over holidays, you know, about seven or eight months ago. Um, so it's it's just an unbelievable opportunity and, and something that I cherish and, and am so grateful for, for the guys that were at Linwood House, you know, when I moved in that, that saw something in me that said, Hey, this guy might be able to, to be of service. And, um, and, and so I look forward to that. In fact, when I, when I get out of here, I'll be at Linwood house leading the house meeting that I get to do every Sunday afternoon. And, um, you know, just really have a community to be a part of. I still feel like Linwood house is, is my community and, and, uh, and love those guys. If you're listening, love y'all. Um, (laughs) You know, the, the, the other part is, um, I think after walking this, this path for a little while, I realized that it's not so much about what I get out of what I do, but what I do that makes a difference in my life and, and in others' lives and, and, and in this, this interconnected world that we live in Mm -hmm. and, um, I guess about a year ago now, uh, I, I had this real strong calling that I needed to do something different with my life. And, um, I had fallen in love with the Linwood house community and being able to be of service and, and be around recovery. Um, you know, a lot more than, than most people get to do. And I was talking to my therapist at the time and I said, you know, I think I'm just gonna, I think I'm just going to quit my job and, and go find something to do around recovery. And he went, hey, pump the brakes, pump the brakes. I'm, I'm still not immune to irrational thoughts and <laughs> spur-of-the-moment decisions. Um, <clears throat> Let thank, me know when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, the, the, way that I, the way that I keep myself immune from making most of the stupid decisions I would otherwise is I try to involve somebody else yep. that's unemotionally attached or un, is not emotionally attached to the situation that I'm in, right? And I did so on Friday, and and they just went, hey, take a breath. Don't do anything. You don't need to do anything, you know? But I was ready to burn it down, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yep, I know um, that feeling well. Yeah, so I, I talked to my therapist, and he said, man, why don't you stay in that job so you have some income and and start developing a plan forward? And um, and I didn't know what that looked like. I reached out to a few friends of mine and said, I, you know, I think I want to do something different. And, and, um, and I just left it there and I left it there for about six months. And 
I took a day off work and went to an addiction conference this past February. And one of those first friends that I reached out to said, Hey, I want you to meet somebody. And, and I went and met her and she said, I want to introduce you to this person. And they wanted to introduce me to this person. Next thing you know, I'm talking to the CEO of a group of treatment centers out of Nashville. And, uh, two days later I had a job working in the, in the <laughs> treatment field as a business development, uh, see what it was business development community outreach and community relations which just seemed perfect for me um you know i got to basically go around and and help people and spread the word that there is help and and to be part of the the community um advocating for those that that need the type of help that that i needed so acutely and still need um throughout my life today and um Looking back, I believe that was God's way of, of giving me a soft landing because about a month later, that group of treatment centers decided to shut the doors for the treatment center that they hired me to uh, do all that work for. And uh, I was without a job and um, did the same thing that, that I was taught to do early on and reached out to some people and said, this is going on, that's going on, I don't know what to do what do I do? And they said, breathe, you're going to be okay. And so I did. And, and, uh, maybe a week or so later, a, a, a friend of mine who I also consider a therapist of mine, even though that's not formal and, and a mentor of mine in a lot of ways said, I want you to call this person and talk to her. And she lives in New Mexico. And I called her and we had talked for about 30 minutes and she said, Jody, I want you to, to be a part of my business. And I had no idea this was going this way, um, but could you fly out to New Mexico and meet with me? And I, and I told her, I said, Sherry, her name's Sherry Young, Dr. Sherry Young. I said, Sherry, I, I kind of made a promise to myself I wouldn't do anything for two weeks, and I, I got about five or six days of that left. Um, so I'm not going to give you an answer right now except to say, if I wasn't interested, I'd tell you I wasn't interested. Can I call you back in five or six days? And she said, sure. And so five or six days later, I called her back and I said, hey, I got this plane flight. Is this going to work for you? And she said, yeah, come on out. And three days later, I'm <clears throat> sleeping in a bedroom in Taos, New Mexico with a lady I've never met before who's been in the treatment field uh, 25, 30 years. And um, we we went into a, a, a partnership, so to speak. And so I get to spend my days representing a few different treatment centers around the country doing exactly what I was hired to do for that first treatment center, which is business development, uh, community relations, and recovery advocacy. And um, the beauty of the model that, that Sherry has is that we are independent in the, in, in the consulting with a person of concern or a family who has a person of concern or a clinician who needs to get a client of concern into treatment or anything like that. So I have the freedom from the very first moment to assess the situation that somebody calls me and says, this is going on, this is going on, what do I do for help? Mm -hmm. And and I get to, uh, because of the business side of it, walk that, through that journey and help navigate for that family or that person or that clinician to find the person of concern, the appropriate right fit, which is the name of the company, Right Fit Collaborative, um, the right fit for whatever resources they need at the time. And, and if it's something that, that 
I'm not comfortable with in, in the sense that it's it's above my pay grade. It's it's out of my realm of experience and knowledge. I have uh, Sherry, who's a PhD level psychologist, and and I have friends in the business that I can reach out to that do assessments. So, you know, I get calls from attorneys with families that are maybe going through a divorce and, and one of the spouses is struggling. Um, you know, I got a call Friday and, and I still don't even know how I got this call. This young lady called me from Octibaha County and said, I called the hospital and they told me to call you. And I said, <laughs> which hospital did you call? Cause I've never been to a hospital in Octibaha County. <laughs> um, so it's just a beautiful thing. And, and, you know, if I hadn't opened myself up to, what God had to offer for me, you know, if I'd done it my way, I don't know where I would have been. Mm-hmm. Cause I would have just jumped ship, gotten out of accounting with no plan forward and, and tried to control it myself and figure it out myself and make it happen. And, um, you know, the beauty of, of where I am today is, is it all came to me. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, that I've learned is when I feel like I'm reaching, when I feel like I have to make it happen, that's probably not God's will for mm-hmm. me. When I sit back, take a deep breath, ask for help, ask for guidance, and allow things to happen, they happen in ways that, that I, number one, could never have imagined. And number two, generally very positively uh, for myself or, or whoever else is involved in the situation and um, hasn't led me astray yet. Yep. So. That's a, a daily occurrence for me. Yeah, (laughs) you know where I you can actually feel it. Like I'm starting to take a hold of the driver's seat here, and I'm you know I'm making something happen, and and the anxiety that goes along with that, and your heart rate starts to increase, and your blood pressure goes up, and I'm I'm grateful at least I can recognize that today, you know, and take a step back because like you said, that's when I know. um, And what I love about that, and that story is amazing, is hindsight always for me is 2020, but taking a moment and taking the time to reflect and see God's hand and, and how that all evolved. You know, um, it's, it's the actualization of potentiality. It's what's in us. It's like, you know, it's like a flower or a plant has everything it needs in it to be, you know, that acorn, as I said in one episode, has everything it needs in it to be, to, to be the oak. Um, it's just the conditions. And if, like you said, if, if you're willing to not do this thing alone and you're seeking help and that's humility, I can't do this alone. I'm asking for help and you're open, um, and you're not resisting and you're not trying to make something happen. It's, and then you look and you just see how it just unfolds. It's actually pretty simple. And in your role, you really helped me with one particular sponsee, um, it was a little bit of a challenge. Now, my first sponsee that I ever had an experience with, I got to understand that struggle of surrender because um, we got to about the eighth step, which is where you make your list of people you've harmed um, and you begin to prepare to make amends to those people. But throughout the initial steps, one of his trying issues in life was that he had moved away, he had gotten divorced familiar story had moved away from his family and his three teenage boys who were his absolute love and he is in a different state he had gone to treatment he was in horrible physical condition as a result of alcoholism um and was through that almost dying in the hospital um that he managed to 
to get sober and he was doing really well, but he had this nagging feeling of needing to control. I need to fix this relationship with my sons. And um, I'd asked a couple of times about what I thought about him moving back to this other state. And he hadn't completed the steps, had not had a psychic change or had not um, had that, you know, our 12 step um, promise there, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. And, um, went against my advice. I was brand new. I mean, he was my first sponsee. I was, and I was seeking help saying, this is what's going on. What should I tell this guy? And I encouraged him to stay until he at least got through the steps. Um, but he didn't. And he went back to his place, um, where his ex-wife was and his boys were. And I got a, um, message on Facebook from a woman who I'd never met before who told me that she was his mother and wanted to thank me for my help with him, but they had found him in his hotel room, um, dead. Um, and you know, that just, it, I'm grateful. It was a horrible story, but it's, it's part of my story now too. And I'm able to share it here. It's part of our story. You know, that when we won't let go of the reins, um, even though we're asking for help and people are offering us suggestions and, and have gone down that path and, and know what's out there. Um, yeah. We still want to walk down the street with the pothole That's and right. not avoid it. You know, and, and you talk about surrender. Um, it was a very difficult thing for me to do. And still today in certain situations can be very difficult for me to do. One of the things that I, I was so blessed with, number one, is my addiction did not <clears throat> manifest itself with things that would would have killed me as quickly as some of the things that are out there today. Mm -hmm. Number one, thank God for that because I had, you know, I had issues surrendering and 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 willingness to do everything that was being suggested of me and and I had some 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 lapses in there and um I had the opportunity to come back. So many people today do not. Um really good friend of mine this past summer that, that we found dead, um, you know, and, and it was not two or three weeks before that he had had 18 months in recovery, you know, and, um, the surrender piece to me, I think so many people struggle with it. And I know I struggled with it. And, and I, I think from my perspective, at least we all hear that word surrender and it's like, give up, right? I, I have to give up. I have to give in. I have mm -hmm. to, I lose all control. I lose all ability to have input in my life. And, and I'm just going to have to, it, it's almost like going to prison, right? You know, you, you think about the, the prisoner who's, you know, got a charge over his head and says, well, I'm just going to surrender to the police instead of fighting this. And, and then everything's taken away. You know, you're told when to shower, you're told when to eat, you're told what to wear, and you're locked up in this jail cell. And that is one version of surrender. But the version of surrender that I've learned in in recovery is, is very simply put, and I don't remember the first time I heard it, but I've heard it so many times, that it's simply going over to the winning side. Nobody's asking me to give up my autonomy. Nobody's asking me to give up my free will. Nobody's mm -hmm. at, or telling me what clothes to wear. I mean, heck... Look at our socks this morning, you know. Nobody told me to go <laughs> buy these colorful socks, but um, 
I get to be a part of a winning team. And that was something I was never a part of before recovery. And I fought it and I fought it and I fought it. But when I finally had the, the, the little glimmer of understanding that all these people were doing something that I'd never been able to do and they're offering it to me. That's what surrender was for me. And, and that's what surrender still is today is, is I can get pretty caught up in, I don't want to do that. And that doesn't seem right. And, and we get to that point that you and I were just talking about the anxiety and the stress and all of that. And I go, oh, hold on a minute. Let me back up. Let me ask for some help. Let me, let me turn this over to God and, and get some direction on what the next step should be. And the beauty is, is that here we are, yeah. you know, and life is good and that yeah. peace and that serenity. And I wish I could give that to everybody. Unfortunately, nobody could give it to me and I'm sure nobody could give it to you. Mm-hmm. We had to go through what we had to go through yeah. to be willing to do the work to get it. Yeah. For those who need it, but those who want it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that made me think of, you know, there's a quote from Socrates that says, the unexamined life is not worth living. Um, I wanted to just talk about that a minute. So what is it to you? What does an examined life look like? What is, what is that all about? Wow. For me, it's, uh, I think it's a, a continual process. Um, early on, it meant that I was going to have to look at how bad I was, right? And, and I distinctly remember telling one of my first sponsors that, uh, and not these exact words, but God was not going to allow me to find recovery because I was too far gone, you know? Um, and that's, that's kind of what, what that looked like to me early on. Um, number one, I didn't want anybody to see those things. And number two, I was scared of bringing to light all those things that I had done. Um, and, and maybe that's, that's the point of all that is to take a look at, at how I was living and what I was doing to other people so that I had some real concrete, proof that my life was not in alignment with uh spirituality with connection um with with just doing good um and i needed that reality at first today what that looks like is you know as far as the process it still looks a lot like it did early on um it's a lot of prayer it's a lot of meditation um, there's, you know, what we, we talk about in the rooms of recovery, a, a, a regular personal inventory, right? Um, look back at my day where, where could I, where could I have been better? Where, where did I do something good that helped somebody so that I can remember that in the future? And when another person approaches me in that same situation, either a, I can remember how I did something that helped someone and, and go to that or B where I did something that wasn't very helpful and try to avoid that. Um, but it also looks like regular therapy. I've seen the same therapist for four or five years now. Um, and the only time I miss our regular Thursday, 11 a.m. meeting is if he's out of town or I'm out of town. And, and that's only when it's business related. Um, and it looks a lot like regular meetings with with my sponsor and regular meetings with sponsees and lots and lots of recovery meetings and surrounding myself with people. And this may be the most important part for me today 
surrounding myself with people that are on this journey and are willing to remind me when I kind of get out of balance. Um, and, and to, to know that they love me enough that they're willing to hold that mirror up and say, Hey, take Mm. a look at yourself, you know? And, and one of my really good friends, um, he and I are both in, involved in Limwood House, and you know we we laugh all the time and say, you know, well, you'll always go this way, and I'll always go that way, and then somehow we find each other in the middle. Um, but we're also not afraid to express to each other what we believe our truth is, and be okay with the other person doing the same, and to be surrounded by people that are that genuine and that loving and um, that willing to allow me to be where I am, but not to stay there. Yeah. You know, that's what it looks like to me today. Yeah. Not just bouncing through life. Oh, it feels good to do this today. So this is where, you know, but to have some direction, to have some passion about something because of a, of a higher purpose mm-hmm. and to try and examine where I am in alignment with that. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, the, I remember reading somewhere where it, you know, our, my desire today is to be of service. I, you know, I think it's probably something we came to the planet with. Um, maybe it been covered up our whole lives by all kinds of crap. Um, but once, you know, once we were awakened to that, I, I found no greater joy. And in sitting and talking with someone and being able to help someone and see the change in their lives. And, and fine when I'm sitting there talking to them, you know, because I'm one who will get in my head, like, what am I going to say next? And, you know, what, what can I pull from? And what can I remember to help? But if I just breathe, I'm amazed at how often things will just come up. Come, you know, in that split second, things will come into mind where I've had very similar experiences or I know of someone who has or, you know, a, a quote or any, they just start flowing yeah. when I can just be present. You know, when I can just be in that moment. You mentioned something earlier, too, about um, I, I remember earlier on one wishing everyone could be an alcoholic because, you know, this is is a gift of awareness, awakening, of moving clouds away to recognize what we are and our purpose on this planet. And, you know, our journey brought us through the pathway of being an alcoholic um, and so I know my Facebook page, the Awakened Collective, I, I'm, I work to get this message out because I think everyone, everyone should be awake. <laughs> everyone should recognize the, the joy and the life that we find in that self-examination process. And I, I was just looking at um, even one of my favorite authors, David Hawkins, talks a lot about AA. In fact, he was an alcoholic in recovery, um, talks a lot about um, the spiritual consciousness of AA, but 12 step groups and 12, not just AA, but 12 step groups that take you through the 12 steps to that 12th step, having had a spiritual awakening that there are so many out there. You don't Mm -hmm. have to be an alcoholic. I mean, we know that there's Alcoholics Anonymous, Narconics Anonymous, there's Adult Children of Alcoholics Anonymous, there's Al-Anon, there's Naranon now. But I was looking, I did a, a chat GPT just to get a list, and I just thought, I mean, there's smartphone and technology addicts. There's shoplifters, food addicts, sex addicts, which you knew about, addicted to spending, workaholics, clutterers. I mean, you can find a group out there, and what that group does is gives you a community of people with a common issue that you can then work through these 12 steps 
take a look at yourself with the help of a sponsor and a family of people around you and realize that you're not alone because in any of these cases, people could be isolating. Um, find a place where you're not alone. You right. know, that's profound to me, but they're out there. Look for them. Yes. Find a community. Yes. Your and, thoughts. Well, I agree wholeheartedly with what you said. And, and, and I'm one of the, uh, I'm not one of the rare exceptions, but I'm, I'm definitely one of the ones that doesn't just attend one 12 step group. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I attend two different 12 step groups and, and, and found my recovery in one and my home group is in another, but I also attend the other one more than, than my home group because they don't meet but twice a week. Um, and so I have that, that experience of, of being in, in sort of two different fellowships. And, and it, when you were saying all that, it reminded me of, uh, of another author, Richard Rohr, mm-hmm. and his book, uh, Breathing Underwater. You know, one of the, the early concepts that he talks about in that book is that every single person on the planet is addicted to something. Every one of us, yep. our culture included, as a as a as a group, we're we're all addicted. Um, even if we're not addicted to anything other than our own way of thinking. And that was very profound for me early on and in, in my journey was even if you took the drugs and alcohol away, my way was always right. But here I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't hold a job. Yeah. Dad's having to give me a car. You know, got to have a, a power of attorney on my bank account so I don't go get money out of it without somebody being notified. But my way of thinking, y'all got all this wrong, right? But that's because it goes back to how I was conditioned as a kid. These are the way you do things. And even though it wasn't successful for me, I was addicted to that way of thinking. Mm to tie all that in with what you were saying about these 12 step groups and support and uh, other people that are, that are walking this path and, and are on this journey with us. It's all of that, but it's a challenge to change the way that I think. Mm-hmm. And that was a very, very difficult thing for me early on. And I still struggle with it in a lot of respects today, but I'm around people most of every single day that challenge me to do better, to be better, to think differently, to act differently. And that has led to so much change in my life and my way of thinking, even outside of any formal process or step or therapy appointment, anything like that. Just, just watching people like yourself live life the way that you do and, and how you interact with people and, and your willingness to serve, it challenges me to want to be better and do better and be a part of um, and to maybe set aside some of my prejudices prior to investigation. We know where that comes from (laughs) Um, and say, wait a minute, maybe I'm not right. Maybe I need to take a second look at this. And, and over time that turns into me, okay, maybe I need to ask somebody why they do something a certain way and listen more than I talk, because I have a real problem with that. I, I like to talk a lot. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I, that's kind of what I was hearing when you were talking about that is, you know, it's it's a lot of support. And for someone that's struggling early on, that's probably the most important thing is to find a group where you can feel loved and supported. And they're all over the place for mm-hmm. all different types of issues or 
uh, things going on in your life. And, and I, and I know you feel this way and Danny sitting behind the desk over there feels this way. And I definitely do, you know, if you're struggling, reach out to us, um, reach out to anybody and, and we'll help you find those people if, if you don't know where to go. But I think as the journey goes along, it, it, it progresses from not only just love and support because that's always there, but, but a challenge moving forward. And I think that's kind of the part of the 12 step where we, we carry the message, right? We're now challenged to practice these principles in all our affairs and to carry the message. And and that's the challenge is how do I continue to do that in the best way possible? And I can only do that by help from other people, help from God and, and being around other people. So I can see the differences in how people think and do and respond. Yeah. Just another paradox, the freedom and surrender, and we can't keep what we don't give away. There you go. So, well, I want to thank you, Jody, for being with us today. Are there any final comments or? Uh, yeah, I would, number one, I'd love to say thank you, Danny and, and Audio Alchemy Productions. Yes. Uh, this platform is phenomenal. If, uh, if you're like me and, and you like to listen to podcasts, uh, not only Rick's, um, which I'm so grateful that, that you're doing as well, but, but the whole stable of podcasts that come out of this room and this production company. Thank you, Danny, for your service. Uh, yes. Rick, thank you very much for inviting me. Um, love love being a part of the same groups that we get to be a part of and and to to call you a friend and to to be part of this journey with you so thank you thank you jody for being here it's a joy ride for sure so so as always i'd love to hear from you and you can reach out to rick gregory at theawakencollective.com or you could also check out our website theawakencollective.org thank you for joining us today have an amazing amazing holiday season Stay in the moment, forgive, focus on our interconnectedness with all of life. Didn't say that right? Interconnectedness with all of life. Look at our similarities and not our differences, and it will change the way you see the world. Until next time, my friends, 